Yeah, but he throws the ball so quickly and with such cowardice that he probably won't do that. He throws uh, with uh, such cowardice. Hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We're now really at the business end. I say business end of the schedule. Half the games are done, some of the games are relevant, and there's still a bit to play for. So, hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks? Not too bad. Back in Cork, quiet enough now. Settling back into the post-Christmas return to normality. Um... Yeah, staying away from people on a large <laughs> scale, and I imagine that will be the thing for a number of months. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's January. Nothing. It's kind of that, you know, there's nothing much to look forward to now, except for the NFL playoffs. For, mm. uh, it's about the only thing on the horizon that's of any interest, really. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, how about yourself, Fitzestrix? You're still up in the Cavan. Yeah, just the, the last day, basically, before I uh, head back to Cork myself, back to work. But, uh, yeah, just eating the last few sweets, uh, got everything packed up. So, yeah, it's been a nice, quiet Christmas, as, as most Christmases are back here. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back to civilization, I suppose. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, no, similar back home here. I've been doing a few bits, give the house a full clean and started doing the painting of uh, the bits that were, were builderified uh up, up on the run up to Christmas we now have a, a fully functioning bathroom and, and shower and everything and it looks quite nice so that's that was a nice positive to land back to but um, yeah no no just similar kind of boring enough got a few bits of uh, bits and pieces planned but nothing too major um, I suppose we should swing right into the news because we've got a few bits to get through well, well we won't start with the news we'll start with just to give everyone kind of a grinding on where we are on the playoff permutations now so I'll kick off in the AFC. What we know, a Kansas City have won the AFC West, Tennessee have won the AFC South, Cincinnati have won the AFC North, and Buffalo and New England are both in the playoffs, and the results of the upcoming week will decide which one of them is the winner of the AFC East. What's up for grabs this week? Uh, Tennessee holds the number one seed and can keep that if they beat Houston. Kansas City are losing them on tiebreakers, so they can get the number one seed if they win and Tennessee lose. Cincinnati are kind of in the running there. They can get a win if they win. Kansas City and Tennessee lose and Buffalo win their matchup uh, <laughs> New England can get the number one seed if they beat Miami uh, Kansas City lose Tennessee lose and Buffalo lose so essentially look, it's Tennessee really kind of hold the keys to this one uh, the AFC East as we said Buffalo win with a win or New England win with a win and a Buffalo loss uh, the runner will get a wild card and then in terms of the other wild cards, winner of the Chargers on the Vegas Raiders will get a wild card spot. Indianapolis will be able to lock it up if they beat Jacksonville. Pittsburgh are in the run there, but they need an Indy loss. Baltimore are in the run, but they need a Vegas win, a New England win, and an Indianapolis loss. Uh, there's a couple of little small connotations, but essentially what we're looking at is one of the Chargers of the Raiders, uh, Indianapolis, and that other AFC East team. So we've got a fairly good picture of this AFC playoff side, right? Um, is there anything like obviously look big, big? We'll be talking about it in the games. Big congratulations to the the Cincinnati Bengals for locking up their division this week. Uh, is there anyone in here that surprised anyone who you're annoyed that's not getting in there? Like Indy, I'm surprised with the loss last week, and now they're in this kind of win and in situation rather than I thought they would have been set already. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I think we can get into the game why they, they lost to the Raiders. I, I think that they... Mm. I wonder if they're losing their momentum a little bit. I wonder if teams are figuring out that if you just stop Taylor, the Colts offense suddenly stops working very well. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, they were the forum team of the last, say, five or six weeks, but it certainly feels like the momentum is, is shifted away from them. Now, certainly, I would still wouldn't like to play them. Um, and yeah. they probably end up... It'll be a, one of those one of those wild card road teams that are you know you don't want to face them because they'll be a tough game and Taylor could easily have um, a kind of a two hundred uh, uh, yard game. Uh, I mean, in terms of the teams, I mean, one thing to to know is quite interesting. The AFC East is likely those two teams will actually play each other in the wild card. Yeah, um, and whoever tops the division that gets home advantage because they're likely to beat the four and five seed. Um, and I mean, hoping that the Chargers beat the Raiders because the Raiders are a very uninspiring team and are almost certainly going to get smashed by whoever the, the two seed is. So, mm. um, and the rest of them, I don't. Yeah, Pittsburgh are terrible. Um, Baltimore are interesting, but have been on a terrible run of form. So, yeah, hopefully that the wild cards will be looking at the AFC's team. Uh, the Colts and the Chargers, that would be the best lineup. And would, uh, certainly would, I think, in that sense, reflect the best seven teams in the AFC uh, in terms of who gets through. It is a funny yeah. thing you note that like that the winner of the of, of the AFC East will be the one who gets to have home field advantage. Because interestingly, when they've played each other, they both won in each other's stadiums. So maybe that's not necessarily what you want in that scenario. But um, yeah, no, it's a good one. And they're both stadiums which are very weather dependent. So either one could turn into a like a hailstorm or a, or a tur- well not a hurricane but a wind or snow or whatever else could happen in Foxborough or or in Buffalo's home. Uh, just the one like look, Indianapolis are almost certainly going to be Jacksonville because Jacksonville are the worst team in the league. But if they do lose to Jacksonville, it does open the Pandora's box of letting Pittsburgh possibly in, possibly even letting Baltimore win if things oh fall apart. God. And then the really fun scenario that's been pointed out by people is that if Indianapolis lose, then technically on Sunday night football the Chargers and Vegas if they tied that game both of them would get into the playoffs setting up a potential uh, incentive for both of them to take overtime off effectively if it was to show up or maybe just play it a little softer but hmm. uh, if Indianapolis win that's fine and that's expected against Jacksonville but if they don't Pandora's box a little bit open there possibly yeah, a bit, bit mad altogether. Uh, the NFC, uh, what we know, Green Bay have the number one seed. Tampa Bay have won the NFC South. Dallas have won the East. Arizona and the Rams are in the playoffs. Uh, and this week decides which one wins. And Philly are a wildcard team. So what's up for grabs in the West? If the Rams win, they get the West unless uh, they lose and Arizona win. Uh, the runner-up is going to get the number five seed. Wildcard race, we've got San Francisco somehow, 9-7, uh, and seven, get a wildcard spot if they win unless New Orleans... Uh, uh, yeah, like it's if they lose, then New Orleans can get a spot, which also a team that shouldn't be there. Like it's 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 an absolute mess. San Francisco went head to head over Philly for seeding and all that kind of stuff. It's basically look, the NFC has two or three good teams and then a lot of shit that shouldn't be in the playoffs. Full stop. And that's 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 yeah. fine. Like we don't really need to know what the seeding for San Francisco and New Orleans is because they're not going anywhere. Yeah, like look, San Francisco. And Philly. really, Sean, really, Taysom Hill gets your blood going. No, it's not the Saints. I was going to defend the Niners. I think the Niners could be a tough wildcard team to play, but certainly not <laughs> now, the Saints or the Eagles. To be fair, the, the only right for the Saints to win a playoff team, like a playoff game, if they actually got there, was a similar game to what they did to Tampa Bay, where their defense absolutely goes buck wild, which 
would be probably not more very much fun to watch, but would be interesting to to analyze yeah. or to watch at the time. <laughs> Uh, but look, like San Francisco and Philly are the two teams that actually have an identity where they're pretty good on both sides of the ball. But San Francisco do have a tough matchup against the Rams. Uh, and New Orleans, look, I don't know if they're like they're probably not favored to be Atlanta. It's a very even game considering where both those teams are. But yeah, there's definitely still a chance here that New Orleans sneak in and then put up some very ugly games. Whether those happen to be ugly in the sense of making it close and and so or just ugly in terms of get blown out we will see but uh yeah i think san francisco are the team that you would actually have at least a bit of faith that they could do something interesting in a game going forward yeah uh jacksonville have got the number one pick unless they somehow beat indy and open that other pandora's box as, as you mentioned and then detroit uh with them to to, to 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 lose but yeah it's just like it's hard to see them getting away from that one and uh yeah, like also just in like the most unsurprising news in the world, Kirk Cousins uh, is now on the COVID list and is missing <laughs> for his team. Uh, Washington football team running back Antonio Gibson is also in the protocol, um, but we'll see. He's in the protocol that allowed like Carson Wentz to be able to come back and play. Uh, one thing to track is that a number of the so there's been outbreaks this week in Philly, San Fran, and Green Bay, and there has been a lot of discussions in the recent weeks from a lot of uh, people around the NFL suggesting that uh, there is a marked drop-off in the quality of play from a number of these players returning from it and basically to not just be like yay they're back that's all sorted now that you might see kind of an extra week or two of not being fully up to speed which could have a bigger you're saying COVID-19 is this kind of serious illness (laughs) that can have long-term ramifications no 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 no. look look, do your do your own research okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no um you, you can see it in a couple of the performances like Wentz was back but didn't read like not a big fan of it but he didn't look even 100 percent of what he normally is and stuff like that so don't necessarily think that just because they're back after five days that they're gonna <laughs> be providing all that much to the team but uh yeah like we're kind of getting down to the to the business end where like literally uh, an outbreak in one of the team sites could cause absolute havoc because you've got a weak turnaround for a for a knockout game so um hopefully all the teams are just going to go into kind of semi their own bubbles for the next while and uh, and see how it goes but uh yeah i don't know this is uh at least jacksonville get the number one pick like they've had a few of them they've not really done great with any of them but maybe that'll make them better well they don't need a quarterback yet uh so i don't know uh, you might argue uh, that <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't really he probably deserves another year yeah. but yeah, yeah. and like you can definitely say it was probably the coach's fault so we'll see Partially, partially. Uh, that was his first touchdown in nine weeks. Yeah, he's thrown two touchdowns in like ten games or something. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. Um, we'll move on to controversy corner. Uh, yeah, big one this week. Wide receiver Antonio Brown in the middle of uh, Tampa Bay's game when they were trailing, uh, walked out shirtless. He was seemed to be in some kind of disagreement on the sidelines was trying to look to possibly pull himself out of the game got talking evans looked to be trying to calm him down on the sidelines and then he just started pulling off his gear uh threw his shirt into the crowd wandered off shirtless thrown up the deuces at the crowd uh went out of the tunnel and i believe still topless hopped into a hopped into a lift and headed uh headed off towards the airport um very 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 bizarre situation we haven't really got any confirmation of anything that was happening afterwards uh head coach bruce arians in his press conference afterwards wasn't asked about the surprise fourth you know fourth quarter comeback and all that kind of stuff was just immediately asked about brown and he just 
simply said he's no longer a Buccaneer and won't be answering any questions about this anymore. Uh, Tom Brady's called for uh, compassion to think about what's going on, which obviously, look, we discussed beforehand, Guy's a piece of shit, but he's also clearly got some mental issues going on um, that he needs some help for, but he just won't seek it. Um, but yeah, I don't, like, it's a terrible situation. It's weird. It's probably the most like predictable thing that could have happened this year outside of Kirk Cousins catching COVID at an inopportune time um, this is pretty much up there you'd expect Antonio Brown to do something stupid like this uh, I don't buy this crap from Bruce Arians like I don't care I'm not involved I'm not discussing that you decided to bring him into your building you accepted this Tom Brady's calls for compassion without discussing the fact that this is a guy that you're relying on, a, on, on for your playoff run you can't just kind of go well that's that and we're not discussing it you're the one who put him in this position you're the one who brought him into your team you're going to have to answer questions when that blows up in your face and I don't really accept that as a valid response from Bruce Arians at all yeah I mean it's, it's a disaster all around he should never have been signed by the books. I mean, it seems to be Tom Brady kind of pulling the strings to get, you know, a friend involved. Uh, you'd question how much Bruce Arians actually had in the decision because obviously what Brady says pretty much probably goes with the books. Um, it's yeah, as you say, I think it is. It's hard to read this as anything other than a sad situation. This is obviously someone with an immense amount of talent, but has mental health issues that means he can never. You just can't maintain the discipline required for professional sports, it seems. And I think this is likely going to be the end of him as an NFL player. It's very hard to see, short of a, a disaster franchise like the Texans or Washington deciding to take a risk. I can't see another team picking him up. There's just been too many of these situations, too many red flags. He's burnt, uh, comprehensively burnt every single bridge he's been given in the NFL. And, and maybe maybe the best thing that can happen to him is, is for him to be told there's no more kind of, there's no, there's no more niceness. It's it's it's, it's hard love time that just to, to end his career. And maybe that is the thing that he will need to, to, you know, sort his life out or whatever. Possibly not. But I mean, yeah, it's... It's hard to talk too much about it without really knowing what's going on, but it's clear that he has issues with authority. He has issues with being told what to do. And when you're a professional sports athlete, I mean, being told what to do is pretty central to um, yep. the whole thing. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't see him being a few having a future in the NFL of any of any serious significance. There's nothing compassionate about putting a person with Antonio Brown's history into a high-pressured, high-publicity scenario like being a star receiver on, a, on an NFL team and on a very well-placed NFL team to go to the Super Bowl. Um, it was inevitably going to end in tears. We obviously dealt already with the fake vaccination cards and that whole wild ride uh, just a month ago. And, yeah, this will seem to be... Inevitable. Like we're Even literally in the preseason, that's like our most embarrassing situation or event um, thing, I said, Antonio Brand will do a thing. Well, now he's done a, a second dumb thing um, this season. And the context for this, apparently, is that... Uh, he wasn't getting into the game much because he's coming off an injury. But apparently, you know, some people are saying that, you know, he has, well, he does have incentives in his contract and that he may or may not be annoyed by that or just being annoyed by not being on the field as much as he thought he should be. And so Arians was holding him out. And then in the second half, when Arians told him to go back in, um, he said, no, I'm not going back in. You've been screwing me over. 
And then that's when the altercation, well, not the, when he got into an argument with Mike Evans, and Mike Evans was trying to calm him down and tell him not to, you know, basically not walk out. And Antonio Brown, basically, at that point, something went off in his mind, and he basically said, fuck this. Um, and he took off his, you know, took off his shirt, took off his uh, armor, he took off everything, went out shirtless, called apparently a kind of a chauffeur to the stars type character, uh, and then, yeah, walked off uh, shirtless, and then I think had a bit of a run around the Jets' uh, end zone, throwing, I think, to be fair, Connor, the peace, like the peace sign, not the uh, deuces sign, uh, mm. but both of them would probably make sense, as, as in peace out or fuck off. Uh, either of these could be Antonio Brown type things. And yeah, I think afterwards he posted some kind of stupid post on Instagram. He had, he released a new single on Instagram as well, and yeah, it, you certainly could not get of the... walking away. Yeah, it, it's, it's just it was an incredibly weird, unprecedented situation. Like, the closest we have is Vontae Davis, but that's a guy who basically was going, God, I just don't want to play football anymore. This is a guy who just decided, I'm not getting I'm not getting what I want. I'm going to throw a big tantrum, and I'm going to do it in the most public, embarrassing way for myself, for the team possible. And, yeah, I think you're both right. Like, the blame here obviously falls on Antonio Brown, and he is a fuckwit um, in terms of his behavior to people in his life um, and people he's fired, and women very likely in his life as well. Um, but also, blame must fall with Tampa Bay, with Tom Brady, with Bruce Arians because they facilitate this, they put him in a situation, and this was always going to happen if you put Antonio Brown in a situation like this. So, yeah, everyone looks pretty shit coming out of this, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's just. Uh complete mess as would be expected it'll have a big knock on to them as well as you imagine going into the playoffs this was a chap they were relying quite a lot on as they have injuries to their wide receiver crew and all that so not uh not the best uh we'll look at some of the injuries around the league some serious ones are gonna have some knock-on impact uh kansas city offensive lineman lucas nyang is towards patellar tendon he's now out for the season and uh, Orlando Brown, their offensive tackle, has injured his calf. He's now week to week. God, where have I heard this before? Going into the playoffs and missing oh, both <laughs> of your tackles. Um, probably nothing to be worried about at all for Kansas City. Um, we'll say that they did spot you. They were able to get good uh, performance out of some of the backups to step into those roles. We're hoping for more clarification on Orlando Brown uh, as they move forward. And Dallas, Michael Gallup, their wide receiver, has tore his ACL and it's gone for the season. It was very unfortunate. He caught a lovely touchdown pass and tore his ACL on the reception, if I remember correctly. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was uh, very unfortunate again for what is very talented wide receiver core that'll be hoping to make some waves in the uh, offseason and other one of note obviously Joe Burrow as you saw at the end of that game injured his knee he's expected to be fine he was sitting in the uh, sitting in the uh, locker room afterwards smoking cigars and dancing so I presume his knee is not too badly done um, I'd say I'd say he faked the knee injury just so he didn't have to take the negative yardage on his stats uh, when they took the knees so that's, uh, that's that's my take on it but um, yeah, so obviously these are these, these are ones that are going to impact down the line. I think the KC one is the bigger worry, I would imagine, because I think there's there's probably more. Everyone has a problem with O line depth, but there's definitely more wide receiver depth in Dallas than there probably is to miss two starting O linemen in Kansas City. Yeah, like Orlando Brown, if he misses time, or well, not next week, because likely, more likely than not, Tennessee will win their game and make that relevant. But yeah. like, if he misses any playoff time, that's a huge loss. Uh, Lucas Niang, like, I'm not sure was he your swing tackle or was he playing right tackle a bit? He's, He's playing kind of right tackle. 
Yeah, so I know you have other guys that you've been kind of playing in and out there, like Wiley and I suppose Remmers when he was playing there. But uh, yeah, he's been filling in pretty well. One of those guys who kind of come through. So definitely a loss there. But compared to Orlando Brown, the kind of star free agent signing, perhaps less of a name. And look, Gallup, that was really unfortunate, as you say, the way that happened. And like, look, they played without Gallup for most of the season. They obviously have... Uh, they obviously have Cooper, they obviously have C.D. Lamb. Um, I think they can survive that, but you know, just a bad situation for him. I think he's becoming a free agent this year, um, so that might affect his market as well there. Yeah, No. Um, and just in other bits of news, uh, former running back and head coach Dan Reeves has died at 77. He's one of the he's the only person actually to play and coach in the Super Bowl. He won the last one with Dallas as a player. Amazon Dallas coaching staff with three more post-retirement Uh he coached Atlanta to a Super Bowl, uh, Denver to three Super Bowls, uh, but failed to win any as head coach. Uh, but yes, yeah. and I, ironically, the one he coached as Atlanta was against Denver and was the one where uh, John Elway got to ride off into the sunset with the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> which, That's uh, unfortunate. That's very yeah, unfortunate. That came up in a, a recent uh, documentary about the Atlanta Falcons, which was very good, uh, from John Boyce. And, uh, Ooh, let's give it a gander. So, but... Uh, yeah, so look, very, very well liked around the league. That comes obviously hot in the heels of uh, John Madden dying last week as well. Uh, so there's a couple of kind of like big, big faces of kind of previous generations of football kind of disappearing now. But uh, John Danry, 77. Uh, may he rest in peace. And on that, we'll go and have a look at the games from last week. So first up, Kansas City at Cincinnati, uh, 31 to 34. This is an absolute barn burner of a game. Really, really, really fun. Um weird final plays on it at the end with essentially seven downs to try and go one yard and then eventually kick a field goal. Uh, it was one Burrow looked fantastic in this game, 446 and four touchdowns. Jamar Chase was just showing why he was the right choice for them in the first round. Went for 266 yards and three touchdowns as Kansas City defense backs just couldn't do anything. They got good pressure up the front, but Spag stuck hardcore to his approach of blitz, uh, blitz early, blitz often. Uh, probably really epitomized by the uh, by the completion hump was it third and 27 where he yeah. just sent an all-out blitz and didn't provide any support over the top to uh, Jamar Chase who was then put one-on-one even though he'd already gotten nearly 200 yards and two touchdowns at that point in the game uh, defensive line got four sacks and 10 QB hits so there was a lot of pressure on Burrow during the day and he played well Mahomes played grand 259 yards two touchdowns run game was pretty good 18 for 127 uh, they got up early but then they kind of started to lose track of things a little bit and they weren't able to keep up at the very end uh, I will say on these two things and you could attack me off this these two things can be independently true and also be true at the same time which are I think the Bengals played a brilliant game I also think that the referees particularly in the second half fucking handed it to them but I also think that they played incredibly well and deserved the win but I really really particularly when I went back and rewatched this I'm disgusted at some of the refereeing decisions in this game yeah especially on that last drive of course where uh, one of those PIs was particularly egregious I don't know what they were well that was a, the, there was a circuit there where there was a PI that was just not PI followed by the next set of downs being extended by an invisible uh horse collar where the replay showed that there was no hands inside any horse collar whatsoever yeah that was a little bit of dirty play though i think to ah, but no, anyway look no. we're, we're talking so about the let negative it, let's let it law. and then uh, on the other one there was the the the, the, the pi in the end zone was a 100 percent correct call but the offsetting penalties beforehand was a ghost penalty that didn't exist yeah well look look the penalties they did matter but like thankfully for everyone who isn't a kansas city fan it didn't really take away from the fact that this was as you say an absolutely amazing game which like you know last week i was effectively jizzing myself over joe burrow (laughs) well you know like uh you know (laughs) 
it happened to be exactly the same here today where like Burrow was basically spamming those deep balls and taking absolute advantage of yes maybe some questionable play calling from Spagnola, defensive coordinator from Kansas City but hey when you got Jamar Chase out there doing things that you know very few other wide receivers could do in the league and the other receivers make a few big plays as well why wouldn't you do that I think as you made it right like I think the big thing for Burrow is that like you know on the other side Mahomes was basically untouched by the Cincinnati defense he had as much time as he needed and he was just playing very efficient good traditional football on the Burrow side it's basically like this guy is getting absolutely smacked in the face it feels like on every second play and yet he did not give a fuck he is out there just slinging the ball out and going okay someone's about to like hit me for 10 just sling the ball up give it to Jamar Chase give it to T Higgins give it to Tyler Boyd let those boys ride because they've taken the blitz and that means I got one-on-one -on -one coverage and I trust my guys and that just feeds into more the assessment I had last week which is that he is the new Brett Favre the guy who literally does not give a fuck will make the big play and is playing a thrilling brand of football that's impossible not to watch and not to love and you know building on the kind of success they had last week to win against Kansas City uh, to win the AFC North with a week to spare instead of having to go down to like a, a game against Cleveland I think that you know it sends a really important shot in the arm to this team and gives them hopefully the confidence um, to continue to play this way in the playoffs. Now I'm worried that they come against like a Bill Belichick or someone like that and he just takes away their best aspects and it becomes a lot more grindy how they will do there but if they come against a Kansas City type team then we're going to be in for some really really exciting playoff action. And look Jamar Chase, it just has to be really, he's been a bit quieter in the last month but obviously he had that huge explosion in the middle of the league and has now broken all of the rookie records and stuff and within the 17 weeks so it's legitimate. Um, but in this game, he truly was unstoppable. Like, number of times beating his receivers one-on-one. -on -one, but I think his first touchdown is probably the one that really stands out, where he got the ball um, on a relatively short pass, about 10 yards, and then just simply juked out, well not juked out, but kind of glided it felt past the entire Kansas City defensive back where there were six guys all around him and then they just all basically disappeared before he went <laughs> yeah. the rest of the 50 yards for a touchdown. Truly, he, he just has a, it seems like an understanding of space, of being able to manipulate the defenders around him to make big plays like that happen. There was even one towards the end of the game where he kind of got the ball behind, near the line of scrimmage and then almost seemed to be doing like a, a you know, kind of a red red uh, red flag to the bull type of situation waiting for things to line up and then goes for like the 10 yards the first down um, he truly was unstoppable here and so like look if you're a Kansas City fan this is an annoying thing to lose because obviously you no longer control the number one seed um, but you know it's not a situation where Kansas City played bad football they played actually very effective football the football that got them into the number one seed in the first place you know effective defense getting pressure on the quarterback you know playing you know good traditional football passing the ball when you needed getting those touchdowns avoiding turnovers running the ball well all the things that have turned them into a much more complete team it just happened to be this week they came against a team that was playing I don't want to say old school Mahomes type football but something that looked very very similar and in this case that was enough to get the win done um, Cincinnati like look they're, they're not a team you could trust necessarily because that final drive I'm still not sure whether that was the most idiotic or genius set of uh, decisions <laughs> ever but hey they're a fun team to watch and uh, I'm really excited to see them come this January um, I yeah I kind of think I'm on the side of this was genius play calling because apparently Joe Burrow is quite bad at QB sneaks. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league for successful QB sneaks. So maybe Zach Taylor was like nine-dimensional chess going, let's just have him QB sneak the ball like seven times to, to kill the clock. Um, the Chiefs should let them score. I mean, at some point, you know, we Andy Reid's notoriously bad clock management I think also extends to 
game but, scenario, but way, end game scenario. The way it played out, it actually yeah. was the right way to do it. Like yeah. if, they, if they're not gonna if they if they're not gonna score on because realistically it took them seven attempts to, then that means that they were doing the right thing, right? I don't. I, I could be looking at it wrong. Right. I think as soon I think as soon as they get to the goal line with like a minute and a half left, Bill Belichick would let them score. That's that's my. He did this in fact in a Super Bowl. He was like, look, we can sit here and you can kick a field goal. Um, with three seconds left, or we can actually give ourselves a chance to win the game. I I think that you should have let him score on like the first the first goal line play, and have a minute and a half to score a touchdown. Mm. Which when you have the KC offense, I, I think I think it's a better. I mean, the way it worked out, there was there were there was one moment where it looked like the 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 Bengals were either not going to make it on fourth down or going to have to kick a field goal, and then Mahomes would have more time. But I mean, I think it's. I think in pure numbers, the best chance of winning that game was to allow the, the Bengals to score quite early in that sequence. Um, but I, I mean, it, that takes away from the, the actual quality of the game, which was really enjoyable. I mean, Bengals, you know, this will historically might be looked back when this Bengals team has a Super Bowl ring or two possibly down the line as this was the, the breakout game. This was the game where the Burrow-Chase connection became the the legend that it that it undoubtedly will, will grow into. Um, I mean, just incredible uh, performance by Jamar Chase in particular. He's he's taken over the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Mac Jones is apparently going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year um, in terms of the Vegas odds, at least believe that, until this game and now. Yeah, Chase has to, is the, it has the to big go to favorite. Chase. Like... I mean, the Bengals, it's, I mean, there are some weaknesses in this team going forward. The O-line, they definitely need help there. I mean, you can understand the decision to draft Chase last year as a draft, but this year their first lot, first round draft pick has to be some sort of you know left tackle or, or something to protect Burrow because he's already had one serious injury because his O line is shit and he's only been in the in the league for two years he cannot sustain this level um, of of lack of protection that's something they're going to, need to prioritize going down the line and also maybe picking up some additional secondary players they have some good they're good cornerbacks and safeties but they also have some weak spots two missed interceptions here Apple and Hilton both missed kind of big interception moments that kind of killed potentially that the Bengals could have won this game a little bit more comfortably in terms of that. But yeah, I mean, you can't take away from, from what was just a great advertisement for the NFL as a whole and definitely great advertisement for these Bengals going forward for KC. I mean, we can talk about the penalties all we want, but they did damage the offensive momentum in the second half. They, basically every drive that KC had the second half was killed by a penalty at some point. Um, and defensively, what's happened to their, you know, their wonderful new revolutionary defense that was holding teams to 10 points a game? I mean, this secondary looks weak to one-on-one, and in the playoffs, there are going to be a lot of wide receivers now who are trying to, the long ball seems to be open against this against this KC team, so be interesting to see how they readapt to that. I'm not convinced the Chiefs are quite as good as they were last year on, on either side of the ball, um, and they may struggle to, to get to the Super Bowl on that side. And certainly one of the teams that could stand in the way is the Bengals. I'd love another Bengals-Chiefs game in the playoffs mm. at some point. That, that would be a joy to watch uh, as, as an AFC championship or a division <coughs> round or whatever. But, that would be uh, good yeah. fun. Uh, here's game. hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, Rams at Baltimore, 20-19. Uh, <laughs> this game had no... I had no reason to actually be this close, but that you know Stafford decided to have an absolute mare of the of the first half. So Stafford overall 309 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and a fumble, including a pick six. Um, yeah, this this 
was very very confusing when I was like kind of cutting over to watch sections of it and how they how, how they got themselves into this hole and then they had to go for a comeback and he went perfect in the comeback 14 of 14 for 162 um, in the second half Cup had 100 yards and a touchdown or 95 and a touchdown Baltimore's offense wasn't 100% sure of itself its defense was always keeping it in there the Rams offense were bailed out entirely by their defense. They had an interception, a fumble, five sacks, seven tackles for a loss. Like, it was just... Like, Huntley has established himself as he's going to get paid as a backup-level um, quarterback. Or maybe someone who's just, like, in a transition wants to take a punt on him or whatever. But he wasn't finishing drives here. 250 yards and a fumble. Um, they were just reliant on, 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 on kicking field goals. Like, it was, it was Tucker, 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 Tucker and a defensive score. You know, that was that was what got them this far. And the Rams, for me, I'm a bit worried now because that's more than a more than a couple of games where we've seen the Stafford returning to kind of much more of the the Lions style Stafford of yeah, he's got a good arm, but he's also going to just make a couple of absolutely boneheaded mistakes and kind of leave you tight. And even actually, just to continue the analogy, look, he was much better at the end. That was the Stat Padford style late in the game can kind of start to put it on a bit more. But yeah, look, the Rams get a win and that's important. But I'm not sure that this Rams team is looking as strong as they'd want to be going into the playoffs. Like they weren't getting the superstar moves out of their superstar players. Like, you know, I basically I look at this Rams team and I wonder if Stafford plays like this, is it all that different from the playoff fates of the Jared Goff led versions of them beforehand? Yeah, I mean, this this is there's a lot of golf deja vu happening here. It's the same thing. It's a talented quarterback who's capable of fitting into the system and making big plays, but has always got a mistake in him. Three turnovers in this game really, really cost them, made it very difficult to win a game against what was quite a limited Baltimore um, team. I mean, the Rams do kind of feel like the most unconvincing 12-4 and 14, team I've ever seen. Um, they have all the talent... But the you know questions of words like intangibles and mentality start to come into it. Do you feel that they are? Do they have that champion, champ, sense of champions who are willing to fight through every scenario and get there? You wonder if if the first team that really stands up in the playoffs may may knock them out, despite the fact the talent of Cup, despite the fact that OBJ is being to to look like he's getting back to the levels of productivity we saw before, despite the fact that his defense has talent all over the place. They're just not. They're not living up to, to what they should look like on paper, and you'd worry about them in a tough game um, if someone tries to grind them down. Because this is what the Ravens did in this game. I mean, it was, I mean, they had very limited offense, uh, even with Huntley playing quite well. There's not an awful lot going on for the Ravens in terms of that, but they did a great job controlling the clock. This was another kind of John Harbaugh coaching masterclass. He was like, he really had a way, he thought about how they were going to win this game, and they executed a plan. And they almost got away with it, despite the fact that they are, you know, riddled with injuries and, and, and all that kind of thing. Control the clock, try to get get into the red zone, rely on Tucker to make some kicks, use your defense to control the Rams, which they did for three quarters, and just hope that it's enough. And it ultimately wasn't. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Ravens have lost five in a row now, kind of went from being a potential number one seed to being basically out of the playoffs, barring a, a, a series of unlikely things happening uh, in week 18 which would be sad for them. And I am, I mean, maybe most of all, I'm not going to miss this Ravens team because they never really expired me, but I didn't, I was annoyed they didn't try the 80-yard field goal from Justin Tucker at the end. Because surely, I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
even from an analytical point of view, right, this is the best kicker in history. Surely he's got a high, even if it's just 5% chance of hitting an 80-yard field goal, surely that's a higher percentage possibility than a, a random Hail Mary from, from Huntley or the weird lateral thing they start to try with the final play. I mean, just, I would have loved to see him try it, you know, just because at that point they would nothing left to lose. Um, and I, do, I think he could do it. I really think he could make an 80-yard kick. And that would be one of those records that could never be broken kind of thing. But, mm. uh, yeah. So Ravens injured, limited, almost won. Rams um, abundance of talent, but do they have the the mentality to go all the way? Especially with Stafford having uh, mistakes in them, it's going to be interesting to see if that Rams team can pull it all together, um, and and live up to the potential and the the immense investment that they've made in the team for this year. Yeah, I think both teams like. It's been a bad year for Baltimore. You're going all the way back to the preseason where they lost their top two running backs. Obviously, the quarterback situation's been a mess this year due to injury and COVID and, and stuff like that. So, look, like the fact that Baltimore are technically still alive are going to finish probably 8-8 eight and eight or 8-9 uh, or 9-8 or eight is a testament to what a well-coached team they are. Um, it's just, yeah, sometimes too many things happen. You just can't overcome all of that uh, and they will miss out in the playoffs most likely. And for the Rams, I think this game and the last game's Minnesota show that they would probably be better served by treating Matt Stafford more like Jared Goff, running the ball more with Sonny Michel, which they did do in the second half, uh, or with Daryl Henderson, or even perhaps Cam Akers uh, as he comes back from health, and just lean on that, lean on the play action, and play more like you did over the last few years. If you can mix that in with the type of Stafford, you know, shotgun, um, or under center, or more traditional Stafford type, you know, trust the quarterback type play, I think that will open that part of the playbook open and make it a little less obvious, and avoid Stafford uh, making so many mistakes for sort of for the Rams, I think simplify things, play tougher, play closer, and then I think when you get into those close situations, I think we've seen that Stafford can make those big plays. But if you put everything on his shoulder from the start and say, "Oh, we're going to turn into like you know the the greatest show on turf type team," it, this is the type of thing that happened. Stafford throws a few too many picks, you know, maybe dial it back a little bit. And I think if they can do that, their defense is turning into the unit we thought it might be, and they could be a very scary team in the playoffs. Yeah. Arizona, Dallas, 25 to 22. Arizona kind of perk right back up as it's coming to the tail end. And uh, they get a win in this kind of fight between two teams that are up and down and no one can quite tell exactly what they are at any time. Kyler went for 263 and two touchdowns through the air as well as 44 on the ground. Uh, and the Dallas defense just had no response with zero turnovers, only one sack. Um yeah, so like he kind of just topped out of pressure, got back to kind of what we got at the start of the year with the kind of more exciting, bizarre like throws off uh, off platform and stuff like that, and kind of just kind of running to make sure they get the first downs. They need to keep drives alive. Um, Dak didn't look great early in this game. His stat lines like two twenty six, three touchdowns and a fumble, but like they had to they had to do a big comeback. It was twenty two to seven like at the start of the fourth quarter here, and the fumble obviously cost them the chance. But this is a this is an up and down offense that needs to be up a lot more, particularly on days like this when the defense doesn't do anything. Zeke is a highly paid member of this team who's meant to be doing a lot, and their running game twelve for twenty five is just not going to cut it. Like fumbles from 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 Dak aren't going to cut it. This was not a clean game by any description from them, um, particularly because like 
Arizona have been down lately. This is a slightly better performance from them. But if Dallas are going to do anything, they need to be able to beat teams like this Arizona team who aren't fully healthy and aren't firing on all cylinders. And you've got to have an offense. If you're going to if you're going to bank yourself on Prescott and Zeke and that collection of wide receivers, and yes, I know they had the injury to uh, to one of them during the game and so on, but like you got to be putting up more than 22 points in a game. Uh, particularly if you're going to have a defense that's not going to play that well. you got to put up more than 22 points in a game. And that's got to... Uh, is it home and everything? Like This has got to worry some people. Although I do think this brought up the fun stat that since high school, Kyler Murray is 8-0 and in Jera World because uh, he played some high school games there as well or something. But um, yeah, this is... It's not it's not a blowout win for Arizona. It's a good win for them and an important win. But, Jesus, this would scare me if I'm a Dallas fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best way to read this game as as the Cowboys lost rather than the Cardinals necessarily won because you're the Cardinals team whose offense is missing its most exciting pieces from the year, Hopkins, Connor. Um, Kyler had a better game than he's had in a while, but he's still, he's still not quite at the early level before. We had a defense that was riddled by injuries. I mean, the Cowboys should have been won this game comfortably. And I, I think we are back to, to wondering, I talked last week about maybe this Washington performance was an anomaly. We shouldn't read too much into one game in which they get 56 points and all the yards in the world. They've been struggling offensively for a number of weeks since Dak came back from the injury. And again, it wasn't great. Some bad throws early. And then when they finally got some momentum going, he had a big fumble in the fourth quarter when the game was back in their grasp. They were down by a score at the time. They were on the move and he fumbled the ball away and the Cardinals kicked the field goal that ended up winning the game in the end. I mean, also, I mean, Cooper, Zeke Pollard, all quiet. Lamb had a very quiet game. He had a, until the fourth quarter when he had a couple of big throws. I mean, offensively, they just weren't going. And when this team is supposed to be the best offense in football, as they keep advertising to us, that that's kind of an indictment there in terms of what was going on. They really should have won this game and pretty comfortably too, given that the, the issues the Cardinals were dealing with on the other side of the ball. But I mean, you got to give credit to the Cardinals for doing what they did despite everything. The defensive display was quite impressive despite the injuries. They were tipping passes all day. They really were causing a lot of trouble to the Cowboys uh, um, O-line in terms of that. And not having D-Hop and Connor, I mean, they still, Antoine Wesley stepped up. He had some nice touchdown catches. They controlled the clock well to keep the Dallas offense off the field. And I mean, Cliff Kingsbury may have made an amazing uh, late burst for coach of the year because if this was his idea, it was absolutely genius. So in the third quarter, they were fourth and five, about 10 yards away from the from the end zone and Kingsbury or whoever's idea this was, was genius, sent out both kicker Matt Prater and Kyle yeah. Murray onto the field for the fourth down, which caused the, the Cowboys to have to use a timeout because they're like, we don't know if this is a, if they're kicking or if they're passing Taking, or what. Yeah. And, and that timeout ended up costing the Cowboys the game because right at the end, right about the two minute warning of the fourth quarter, Chase Edmonds had a, a fumble that was not ruled a fumble. And had they had a timeout, they could have challenged it and gotten the ball back um, with good field position down by a field goal. Mm. So yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, give him the W for this one because this was this was next level thinking. That that, that was that was Belichick kind of style uh, of thinking. That, that, um, that, that, that so, sound yeah. the listeners are hearing is uh, Ronan slowly seething in the background <laughs> as we lavish praise on Kingsbury. E every week he just makes Ronan seem stupider and stupider for his comments about the Cardinals at the start of the season because, yeah, Kingsbury is for real and this Cardinals team, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make much of 
flash in the playoffs, but they can be exciting to watch. And the Cowboys, yeah, as you say, a lot of worries, a lot of worries going forward. For a good team, they have a lot of flaws. Yeah, next up, Tampa Bay at uh, the New York Jets. Uh, Tom Brady just decides, I'm going to break their hearts one last time, 28-24. to 24. Uh, The Jets <laughs> They hope this... one last time. They yeah, hope. <laughs> they hope. Uh, the Jets were leading He'll this game. He'll be back in four great. years' time. Don't worry <laughs> they were doing great and having great fun, and uh, like we're, we're finally going to... Going to get that pony off their back and then no. Uh, touchdown Tom comes back in the fourth quarter to lead a 93-yard, two, two-minute touchdown drive to absolutely crush them. Uh, this was 10-24 to 24 in the third quarter. They were missing most of their weapons. Gronk was their leading receiver at 115 yards. Uh, Brady overall had a relatively clean game, 4-10, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, like most, most of what people are going to talk about this game is Antonio Brown. We've already discussed that, so we won't go into it too much. Uh, apart from, apparently, he's not actually officially been released onto waivers, and uh, he was seen at uh, some NBA games in, in New York, so he hasn't left New York, apparently, or he's gone back to chill out there. Uh, Wilson, 234 yards and touchdown. He looked better. It was a fair, it was a much more complete game from him than we've seen um, through most of the year. Uh, they were hurt by Carter going out and. You know, they missed the fourth and two and a few bits like that are just not great. There was discussion afterwards that would worry me slightly. So they were discussing what happened on that fourth and two and how it was meant to be, I think, a swing route or something along those lines. And there was a communication issue. Uh, Robert Salah put it entirely on the offensive coordinator and said it was his fault, which is not a great look. Um particularly coming out of it to just be like, no, it's his fault and being quite annoyed by it. I get that it was a big game. It would have been nice to have win and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't think that's a way to be dealing with it, to just be throwing people under the bus straight away after what was a good performance and something you can build upon while not losing draft position in it. Um, but yeah, look, it's going to sting, but this was overall a good performance from a Jets team that we weren't expecting to be this relevant in this game. Um, for Tampa Bay, they survive but they do very much look like they're limping towards these the the the, the postseason. But that said, look, it's 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 Tom Brady. He we can figure things out. They'll have some pieces coming back a little bit more healthy. God knows Antonio Brown might be back on them by the time they hit the playoffs at this rate. So like, who knows? But uh, yeah, not a great performance out of Tampa Bay. But they get the job done. A decent performance out of the Jets. But you know, I'd like to see a little bit more unity out of their head coach and, <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, following what was a good performance, but an unfortunate end result. Yeah, like I think for the Jets, the last couple of weeks have been better. There's there's signs mm. of life there. I think the big thing, of course, is Zach Wilson is playing uh, significantly better than he was for the first few games where he just looked completely lost. And yes, I think on the, the fourth and two, he was supposed to hand the ball off to Braxton Berrios. Uh, Salah said that that was what he's going to do, no matter what the defense is doing, just do that. And that failed to get communicated, and he tried to go for the sneak and obviously failed, and that's why they lost this game. Uh, well, that and touchdown Tom, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but I think, you know, he's been pretty good uh, the last couple of weeks. And I think for him, the big thing is he just, you know, I'm sure that this year has been very humbling for him, or hopefully it has been. And they just need to sit him down this offseason and tell him, if you want to be an NFL-level quarterback, you need to have an investment and mastery of the game of football 
that is 10 times what you are right now. So you're going to have to go into your room. You know, you're going to have to, here's your extra homework. And you need to show to us that you care enough about this game, uh, that you're not just going to rely on improvisation and the cool plays, that you're going to be able to do the 5, 10 yards, that you're going to know all of the, the scheming, that you're going to understand game situations. We need you to do that if you're going to be our long-term quarterback. We picked you high overall. We're obviously invested in you. Um, we're going to do everything we can to help you, but... Ultimately, you need to get better. You need to build on what you're doing here and add to uh, add on what you've done here and get better. Um, but they do have a lot of nice, really, like, people around him that they can build around. I think Michael Carter, he went out early here, but he's been a revelation this year. He was, like, at 18 yards on the three touches he did get, so that gives you an idea of the kind of explosive player he is. He could be a really exciting running back for them, and they have a few other guys like Ty Johnson who could be solid for them going forward. So I think they, they, they definitely have someone there. And then they have Elijah Moore, who's been out recently, but he is pretty solid. Braxton yeah. Berrios has been on a tear in recent weeks. I think he'll be a really good slot receiver for them for a couple of more years. And, you know, they, they might get people like Corey Davis back. I think they could really do maybe with a you know a bona fide kind of just throw it up type of guy considering what kind of Zach Wilson does but they have some really good effective playmakers there and Elijah Moore maybe is that player uh, and the defense which has been disappointing overall I think at least is showing some sparks marks of life and hopefully they can build on that and Salah can get more done as they invest They're probably a lot of money in free agency a lot of picks mm-hmm. in, in in the draft to get that going so for the Jets at least sparks of life here against the uh, top of 18 which to be fair was playing shorthanded obviously there the Antonio Brown was coming off an injury and then left in disgrace. Mike Evans was playing injured. Chris Godwin's out for the season. So, yeah, they ended up leaning on Grob Gronkowski and relying on the lesser lights like the Cyril Graysons and the Tyler Johnson and the Breshar Perrymans. And on the defense, um, they're relying on guys like Cho Tryon, their rookie, to kind of come in there and fill in. Um, so, I think you saw once again that when Tom Brady was shorn of his elite weapons that he does get frustrated because he obviously expects and demands perfection and the, the offense to a large extent relies on him having perfection from all around him that he can then build upon um, but obviously getting this out of the way now um, against the Jets is probably better than in the playoffs because this is the reality that he's going to be facing. He's going to have Gronk, he's going to have Mike Evans, but he's not going to have anyone else out there that he can trust on a play-to-play basis, so he's just going to have to get used to that, uh, and hopefully Leonard Fournette can help him there in the running game. Uh, but for the Tampa Bay, look, they get the win, they stay relevant, just uh, like, you know, they stay relevant for maybe getting the two seed, uh, but yeah, like they're going to have to tough it out a bit more than they did last year when everyone came back for the playoffs if they're going to repeat this year. Yeah, next up, Vegas is Indianapolis. Bit of a surprise result here, 23-20. to 20. Vegas step up and win to keep themselves live for a playoff spot. Carr does a decent job, 255, a touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, he made a couple of mistakes, but he makes up for it on the final two ga- final two drives of the game. Uh, Zay Jones went over 120, uh, Renfro 76 and a touchdown. They all kind of stepped up in decent spots, particularly given that some of their kind of expected players are not uh, kind of there or performing for them. Taylor kind of had a subpar stat line for him but you know it's still pretty good 108 and a touchdown he was the engine but they you know they keyed in on that knowing that Wentz wasn't going to be too much of a threat he looked rusty he looked ill he definitely looked like he'd been out of COVID 16 to 27 148 yards uh one touchdown I just didn't look great and to think that they had two interceptions here and they were able to get zero points off those takeaways which kind of you know you can't be can't be doing that in this type of spot I would put a lot of this Indianapolis side performance onto the fact that Wentz was coming off the thing was injured and just wasn't able to kind of get it going at all uh, I would hope that, that would turn around just with another week further away from the illness as long as it's not any kind of long COVID kind of situation Vegas I gave some shit about people 
uh, recent weeks about Carr not being all that interesting and people wouldn't actually want him. He looked decent in this game, even though he very traditional Carr way, like two interceptions, made mistakes, but did also make some very clutch plays at time. Um, I still wouldn't rate him all that highly, but I could see that he's he is having one of his better seasons. Um, and I also, like, I think it came up on something else I was watching that, like, this is the first year that he's actually getting to enjoy this because the other one season where they were good and pos- and play and made the playoffs, he got injured at the end of the season, so wasn't actually ever able to just be the quarterback of a winning team that was probably or possibly going to the Super Bowl or sorry to the playoffs. Jesus, they're not going to the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but you know that like he's kind of enjoying himself a little bit here. Um, but yeah, like like it is. I think it's telling as to why I kind of don't rate Carr that highly. Like that, this this team right now, this is probably the second highest point of his career. Like I don't, I like it's a good win, but it's a win against an injured, short-handed Indianapolis team that's losing steam. Um, but a win's a win, and it keeps them alive. So keeps some hope there for the for the for the Vegas um, the Vegas believers, I suppose. Do they have? Yeah, I was even like the Vegas fans. Do they even have fans? May the odds forever uh, be in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, you got to give credit to the Raiders. I mean, especially in this game. I mean, they're a team that has deficiencies of talent in certain areas, has had a season which has been very topsy-turvy, obviously, with the Gruden thing and the Henry Ruggs thing. But they're still alive, you know, eight and seven. They've, they've, they've pulled off a couple of interesting wins. This is one of them. And this was very much, uh, we have a game plan and we're sticking to it, right? That they they had a, a way, they Derek Carr, you know, they, they put the ball on his shoulders. He said, look, you're fourth in the NFL in passing yards. Show us what you can do. And they had uh, Hunter Renfro catching balls. They had Zay Jones had a big game. They had a plan offensively to kind of, you know, use up the clock, go down the field, score as many points as they can in terms of kicking field goals or whatever. And then defensively, they just sold out completely. They were like, right, we're just going to stop the run. We know Wentz is shit and he's also got COVID, so he's probably super shit. We're just going to stop Taylor from getting runs. We're going we're gonna, to you know, put every single player in the box, make them impossible to run through the middle. Kept Taylor quiet for the first half. He got going in the second half against a, a tiring defense, but it was important that the, by then the Raiders had a lead and they kept chipping away in terms of field goals and stuff to, to, to stay ahead um, of that. And then ultimately it did come down to whether Carson Wentz could could have the game that was required of him. And I mean, you can blame COVID, but also you can blame him for not being vaccinated against COVID. Um, and also he's, he's not the best in, in big games anyway. He had a very poor game all around. Even the one TD throw, which was like a long throw, he was very lucky that it, it didn't end up being intercepted um just didn't do enough uh, missed a number of important throws including a big one for a potential touchdown to ty hilton um so they couldn't get taylor going enough and they couldn't have enough in the past game to really do much they were relying then on their defense getting turnovers and they had a little few more than they've had they didn't have a, any last week against the cardinals but they're kind of back in that zone um but i mean it, it's a very much a turnover team it's not a holding a team down and restricting them and getting the ball off them very easily team um which is what they kind of needed against the raiders here because they kind of let the raiders dictate the tempo of the game uh, on both sides of the ball and they got away with it i mean in terms of pure talent i would rather see the colts make in the playoffs making a run i don't think the raiders are going to stop any big teams or give them any kind of frights or whatever but you do you got to tip their hat to them for a team that really should be like five and eleven and their season should be dead and buried there they're, you know, one win away from making the playoffs, which is, you know, a, a good achievement in what is a tough uh, AFC in particular. 
um, this this year. Yeah, and finally we're going to look at uh, Philly at the Washington football team, who I might add have announced that in less than a month they're going to give us their new title. Um, they said it's going to be the second of February there, and they're going to announce it. There are substantive rumours around that already, but we'll wait for the official. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not loving that story because it seems that people who have the websites that people think they are are getting doxxed now to find out who actually owns them, <laughs> uh, which is not great. Philly at Washington football team, twenty to sixteen. Philly needed a late interception to win this and kind of scrape into the playoff spot. Uh, Washington really thought they were still there but it collapsed much like uh as i don't know if people saw the video their stadium did as jalen hurts was wandering out and uh I, i'm just guessing that like you know these uh, these washington fans are kind of svelte political types and not ready for the girthy beer chugging philadelphia fans who were leaning on the barriers <laughs> all those uh, extra battery all those batteries in their pockets yeah. weight, you know so they collapsed uh, they collapsed one side of the stands as it was going in uh but every i think everyone seemed to be mostly uh mass not badly hurt which is a positive hey, thing. Jalen Hurts, like he, he, what a man! Like the guys fall in front of him, he he picks them up, and then they all surround them for the selfies, and it seems like <laughs> a great time. Oh. Fair play to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he took he that well. Did a good job. Washington football team were better uh, in the first half, kind of seven sixteen at the half. As Heineke went two hundred sixty one in the interception, but they kind of started to to make mistakes. Uh, sacks kind of pushed them back, particularly on the final drive. They got the interception that stopped them from able to push the comeback to win the game hurts is 214 through the air and 44 on the ground uh he played well particularly given that he was injured in this game uh particularly i think there was one where he managed to get a uh a handoff to uh or a, a toss to uh to boston scott even though it, he well, was being stood uh, on at the time i don't think it was planned as a toss but yes it became. yes it was <laughs> it was meant to be a handoff he was stood on so he had to just toss it backwards but it worked for them anyway and got a thing um but philly got kind of the fourth anchor version they needed uh and, and and the touchdown to win the interception was nice uh nice kind of way to close it out it was not a not a not a not a earth-shattering performance by either side in this game uh but philly did what needed to be done and washington kind of slide off to hopefully seal off a, a, another year of uh reflection and wondering what went wrong yeah like to be fair like washington it's been a bad season they obviously lost Fitzpatrick early their defense was inexplicably the worst in the league for the first half of the year and then turned into an okay defense when Chase Young went down no idea what happened there it's just one of those weird things that happened uh, maybe it's the, the team name Indian burial grounds etc but yeah just a weird year for uh, Washington and a suitably weird way to end up uh, you know getting kicked out of the playoffs Heineke showing up being really effective looking at his best for the early innings uh, setting up a, a touchdown for the, the, the running back uh, Patterson uh, because Antonio Gibson was on COVID who I don't hear Antonio Gibson's also been having a very weird year sometimes really good sometimes really bad uh, uh, even though, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. And uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry's spent most of the year in the second half being a ghost uh, rather than a monster. So, uh, yeah, just Washington, a weird team who maybe here could have just about got away with it and, and won the game in that final drive. But Rodney McLeod pulls out a really good interception diving um, to, to kill off the, the embers of the Washington playoff hope and send Philly into the playoffs. And look, Philly, I think the stat is that they haven't beat a winning team this year. So there is definitely a chance that they are just a 
contender with a solid run game, enough to beat poor teams. But, you know, at least they have an identity. Um, they have a very effective run game here, though here it will slow down to the fact that Miles Sanders is out and Jordan Howard, I think, was definitely playing hurt. So Boston Scott, not really an in-between-the-tackles guy, but, hey, fair to him, he got that touchdown with the with the improvised, uh, you know, toss, as you were saying there, from uh, on fourth down. So a very key play there uh, for Philly to kind of win this game. Uh, but, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is probably... He's one of the most interesting quarterbacks. I think he, the problem with him is he's one of the quarterbacks that you... It's very hard to, in your minds, I imagine Philly winning a Super Bowl with him, but it's very easy to see them kind of being the team that they are this year, a kind of around 500 team, can sneak into the wild card, maybe more often than not, uh, and kind of keep them relevant. But it's kind of a tough situation because, you know, he's not the most accurate guy. Um, he's not going to, you know, uh, you kind of worry how he would do when they're put into a big hole, uh, when they can't rely on the run game. But hey, for the type of football that they're playing, considering where they were last year in the in the final week, they'll take it, get to the playoffs, enjoy January football, and then we can worry about the long-term future here. For now, let's just be happy and move on. Yeah, and uh, on that lovely note of moving on, uh, the jump off. Here you go. Someone's standing on my foot. I'm throwing it sideways <laughs> instead. Enjoy. Yeah, well, we'll start with the, the, the uh, I suppose, playoff relevant. A few teams getting knocked out here. Uh, Miami at Tennessee, first up three to 34. Tennessee sees the number one seed with a dominant win. They're starting to heat up a little bit again. Uh, but to be fair, they're putting up against, they kind of punted what I would consider to be a fraudulent Miami team out of the playoff hunt uh, quite comprehensively here uh, with the 31 points in the win. Uh, you know, Miami, they hadn't really been beating many good teams. They beat Baltimore, who we know are very injured. But uh, here, Tennessee, they just leaned on the run game. Dante Foreman had 132 yards and touchdown. Um, they had 198 yards in total, though they had a couple of fumbles that they got lucky to fall back on top of. With Downhill just kind of mopping up. Uh, and shout out to the punter, uh, their punter Kern, who had three dropped right inside the 20, two of those inside the 10. Uh, definitely made Tua's life a lot more difficult than he would have liked. And... You know, he was correspondingly held plenty in check. He had two turnovers, only around 200 yards. And, yeah, it was just a frustrating game for Miami where they never really looked like they were at the races. I think for Miami, similar to Philly, I'm not really sure what the quarterback situation is. Tua looked really good when he has play action, when he has RPO, uh, when he has those types of things option. But if he's just asked to step back and play normal quarterback classic quarterback he doesn't really look to have that in his locker right now we'll see if they can figure that out in the offseason or maybe need to move on next up denver at the chargers 13 to 34 the chargers basically suffocate the hapless lock-led denver offense he had 245 yards and touchdown but that touchdown came on late in garbage time and herbert basically got to spend most of his day on autopilot he had a nice touchdown late uh, to break a, a team record team uh, yards record as a, as a passer uh, to Mike Williams, and he had two touchdowns overall. Uh, but he was mostly complimentary to an okay run game, nearly 100 yards. And the defense, you know, uh, against Drew Locke, pretty trivial. Two two turnovers and downs, a fumble, uh, five tackles for a loss. And, yeah, Denver had six points coming into garbage time, so that gives you an idea. Look, Denver were missing some of their receivers, but I think for me, Locke is not the future. He's never been the future. They need to move on. The Chargers have a tougher test against Vegas, but I would still expect them to be. They're still the most exciting team in the wildcard hunt, in my opinion, left. Uh, if the most mercurial at the same time. Next up, Atlanta, Buffalo, 15 to 29. Atlanta's playoff hopes are finally over. Thank God we don't have to think about them anymore. Uh, as Buffalo kind of have a very roller coaster route to what was, I suppose, overall a dominant win. Um, like Allen kind of showed why he's great and also bad. He had like a, a two, 120 yards and three interceptions passing, but 81 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Because um, they were dominant early. They went up 14. 
uh, too, and the, the safety for Atlanta was from special teams, so not his fault. Um, but then Allen turned the ball over three times, got Atlanta back into the lead, 15-14 to 14 at the half, though importantly Atlanta didn't get any points on their final uh, interception that Allen threw. And then in the second half, uh, Allen kind of reasserted control, uh, set up two touchdown drives, both capped off by Singletary in the run game, and the defense was mostly keeping Atlanta in check without those short fields. They got two, they got a fumble, a turnover in downs, five sacks, six sacks for a loss. Like, Ryan isn't a bad player, but Pitts went out early here and he's really been shorn of everything, especially since the Cordell Patterson magic has mostly petered out at this point. Next up, Minnesota at Green Bay, 10-37. Green Bay lock up the number one seed with a, with a week to spare with what was basically a Sunday night massacre as Rodgers, uh, 288, two touchdowns, was able to find Adams for over 100 yards, Lazard for 72 and a touchdown, and basically, especially in the second half, was able to just do what he wanted with this Minnesota defense. And the run game was running over to Minnesota, uh, trammeling them for most of this game. 22 rushes for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, with both Jones and Dylan having a fun time. To be fair to Minnesota, they were playing like Sean Mannion, a quarterback, because of Kirk Cousins' COVID situation. He had 189 uh, yards and a touchdown, but was just incredibly boring, safe, and basically caps the potential of a guy like Justin Jefferson. And this just felt like them putting up the white flag and just deciding, okay, we'd rather just get beat in the most boring. Uh, inoffensive way possible than actually try anything uh, because Green Bay just had to stop Dalvin Cook which they did he had 12 touches for 13 yards and very just a very limp exit for Minnesota and uh, I think Sean can be pretty happy <laughs> to see Minnesota go out <laughs> in what he would consider to be a very appropriate fashion uh, goodbye Minnesota see you next year maybe with different personnel and coaching we'll see next up Carolina at New Orleans 10-18 god this was a terrible game New Orleans keep their embers of their playoff hopes alive um, as just two exhausted rosters like bumbled against each other for 60 minutes uh, Hill did just enough 220 yards and touchdown passing 45 rush couple of nice big throws to Callaway uh, gave the ball nicely to Kamara who had 100 all-purpose all yards and a touchdown uh, but overall just very very tedious to watch for many many of these drives but still not as tedious as Carolina who had multiple chances to get back in this game but you know they started well 10 to 3 up early but then the New Orleans defense which had two turnovers seven sacks 10 tackles for a loss just smothered Darnold 132 yards those two turnovers and like you if you want to know how Carolina did after their 10 points early fumble uh, they had a fumble they had a midfield goal and then five three and out drives just oh please end Carolina right now and move on to next year quickly as possible next up Jacksonville and New England 10 to 50 I know New England were pretty pissed about losing a couple of games so they absolutely laid the pain onto the Jacksonville Jaguars Mac Jones three touchdowns 227 yards enjoys a nice day out even finds time to throw two touchdowns to Christian Wilkerson the, the no-name uh, I assume rookie or, or first-year player um, and the rush game was dominant 29 rushes for 146 like Damien Harris had two early touchdowns and like all right you're done get Ramondis Stevenson him get him 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns too and their defense went buck wild uh, three interceptions, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. Like Jacksonville had three points coming up to their final drive. Yeah, not a great day for Lawrence. He had uh, obviously those three interceptions. Really, his stats about nearly 200 yards is saved by that final drive. But he was bamboozled by Balachek here. And they have no run game. Their defense doesn't exist. Jacksonville, big, big changes needed in the offseason. Uh, Houston at San Francisco, 7 to 23. Trey Lance started slow in this game, but eventually got going. Uh, the overall stats are fine 249 yards two touchdowns and interception 44 rush yards on top of that um, and i think the big thing is that he has a good arm 
and he was able to take a fact, you know, advantage of the fact that Ayuk and Debo are explosive players. Uh, Ayuk had four catches for 94 yards, Debo had three for 63 and a touchdown. Uh, I think the Debo touchdown is probably the highlight of the day. And the run game was working well. Mitchell got, came back for 19 rushes for 119 yards, and the defense was able to keep Mills and Burkhead in check um, as they kind of fall back to earth after that Chargers outgoing. Uh, Cooks looked okay, 66 yards in the touchdown, but uh, yeah, Houston, they have weeks like this, they have bad weeks. Obviously, they, they could have one last play to make in the uh, uh, the uh, postseason um, rankings, but uh, this week was not where they were making that impact. Next up, Monday Night Football, 14-26, to a very depressing game, let's be honest, as Pittsburgh uh, win uh, one more time for Big Ben in Heinz Field against Cleveland, uh, kind of a yearly occurrence for them. Uh, Big Ben, however, really had little to do with it. He had 122 yards, a touchdown interception. Even by his standards this year, ridiculously inefficient. Uh, but Najee Harris was carrying the load here. He had over 200 yards in the touchdown. He was dominant here. Um, and on the other side, for whatever reason, Cleveland weren't using um, Chubb to the same extent. He only had 12 touches for 58 yards. Apparently, he had a bit of a chest injury, and maybe they're saving him now because they'd been eliminated earlier that day uh, by the uh, results on Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, But whatever the reason, Stefanski left Baker out there to die. 18 for 36, 185 yards. He had two touchdowns late. Uh, but also two interceptions, and he was sacked uh, nine times. Um, four of those for TJ Watt. This just felt like, I don't know, Stefanski going, all right, Baker, you know, we need to see if you're our starter next year. See if you can do something. And based on this, uh, not not a great outing here. The tape will not be kind to him. Um, maybe this is really just a negotiating tactic to, to basically beat him up and make him accept a lesser contract. I don't know, but it was ugly. Pittsburgh get their last win at Heinz Field for Big Ben. Uh, moving on. Detroit at Seattle, 29-51. Um, Seattle, in their final home game, have a fun, dumb, meaningless game as Wilson has four touchdowns and he feeds DK three of those and everyone's happy again and we can imagine it's 2011, uh, but it isn't. Uh, things are definitely changing here. But hey, Rashad Penny, a guy they picked first round a few years ago, had two touchdowns, 185 yards, so maybe there's something to build around here. But changes are coming for Seattle, but it was nice to have a bittersweet end to this where everything went well and you could imagine that things uh, are, are that this bad season never happened on the other hand for Detroit they were starting Tim Boyle because Jared Goff's still out uh, he was very up and down but hey he got the praise the sun because Amon Ra the sun god uh, <laughs> had over 100 yards he had 23 yards touch rushing he had uh, two touchdowns overall and he is the bright light for the future of this Detroit team alongside DeAndre Swift and the uh, offensive line if they get a quarterback this could be a very fun offense going forward um, but uh, for now, uh, they live in Timboy land and they lose a, a, a dumb game. And finally, the Jesus Christ, this game is terrible. Like <laughs> This game happened. 3-29 uh, win for Chicago. Glennon truly sucked the biggest of balls. Two interceptions, two fumbles, minus 10 net yards when you include the uh, loss yards and sacks. Just fucking terrible. And Robert Quinn was given a sack to beat the team record, 18. Um, with, within 17 weeks, so it's legitimate. Uh, you know, like Dalton was there, Montgomery were there, they got a, three touchdowns between them. They were fine uh, on those short fields, otherwise anonymous. And to be honest, the biggest conclusion I come from this is that both these teams should completely fire their head coaches. Like Chicago, look, uh, they won here, but we've seen what they did the rest of this year and well, what they're doing under Nagy. And for, for, the, for the Giants, like Jesus, the rant that they got uh, after this game was truly embarrassing. Um, they need to move on. Uh, and yeah, both these teams uh, have a long off-season awaiting them, in my opinion. Uh, so that's the dump off for week 17. Uh, one more to go, but I'll talk to you <laughs> next week. 
Well, you say one more to go. Who knows? You could have a couple of shite playoff games and you just pack <laughs> them in there. But uh, for now, let's go and look at the games for week 18. So here we are, uh, final week. Let's go through our picks for the week. We've got some Saturday football, so we'll kick off with Kansas Which City. Which is a dumb idea. It's a dumb idea? Yeah, I don't like the Saturday games. Like, and the way that they're doing them, we'll, we'll, I'll talk about the next game, but they've kind of had to play really hard to create games that don't create awkward scenarios for playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. While that's still a, being relevant. Yeah, no, I, I get that element of it. I just, I just like having games I can watch on other days as well, which is nice. Uh, so, <laughs> Kansas City at Denver. Like, we're all staying at home. We need something to be watching. Kansas City at Denver. We've gone for Kansas City across the board. Um, as you said, this is kind of tangentially relevant, but not massively relevant. Um, I'd expect KC to be playing their starters just in the off chance that uh, that there's a slip-up for Tennessee. But, yeah, like, look, uh, Kansas City have been playing well, at the exception of, like, Jabbar Chase, uh, they've mostly been playing okay on defense. Um, their offense should be fine here. Uh, they'll probably use it to test out a few different combos of line configurations and things like that uh, for, for, for the afterwards. I can't really see this Denver team kind of jumping up and doing too much in this spot. Um, I presume we're still with Drew Locke at this stage. That's the expectation. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really see them being able to do anything. That said, look, it is a it is an individual game. They are at home. Uh, like Andy might just say, "Feck it!" Like if we're not getting a bye week, then why not just make this the bye week and rest a load of starters? Like we don't know at this well, point. Well, I, I think given that's on the Saturday, you want to put the pressure on Tennessee to win. I know it's against Houston, but yeah, still, any, Houston, NFL, anything can happen. You know, just go out there, put your starters out for like the first half, absolutely hockey the face off lock and the rest of them. Um, and then maybe in the second half, uh, hopefully you can start starters off in the, the third quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, but yeah, like look, Denver, they're starting Drew Lock. They're not going to win this game unless something weird happens. I think KC, they didn't have a bad game against Cincinnati. They played very good traditional football. That should be more than enough to overcome for this Denver team, let's be honest. Yeah, like I just, I just don't, I just don't see what Denver is going to get out of this game. Like, well, it's a division, you know, hit up on your rival. You have nothing else to play for. Vic Fangio's job might be a little bit in peril. So I'm sure they would like to win, but they don't have the things to win right now, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. Next up, Dallas at Philly. Uh, Ronan, tell us about this absolute glorious yeah, dead like rubber. Yeah, there is nothing relevant here, like except I suppose if Philly win, then I think that would... I think that would mean that Dallas would probably sorry if Dallas win they will probably pay Philly in the the first round or something like that but look it doesn't really matter because they're seeding Philly are in the wild card Dallas are going to probably finish fourth or, or third in the seeding doesn't really matter um, yeah so it's a bit of a nothing game don't know why this has been given special attention oh wait it's the NFC so of course getting special attention but look <laughs> like Philly Philly are taking a COVID buy based on what we're seeing 12 players on the COVID list just uh, on Monday uh, so I think they'll probably be resting starters whether they want to or not not this uh, week uh, so Dallas should be able to get it done because of that at least yeah next up we have Tennessee at Houston uh, this is obviously we've gone Tennessee across the board so I meant to say we've all gone Kansas City and Dallas in the previous games and uh, this one yeah. we've gone Tennessee because um, realistically Houston they shouldn't have any issue here. But Tennessee are up and down. They are still injured in parts. Um, Houston have surprised a couple of teams so far. So maybe there's an including outside chance. The including the Titans. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It just it feels Titans are starting to round a little bit into their playoff-y form. They might even bring back... Uh, 
They might even bring back Henry for this, right? There's an outside chance of that. No, he's back in practice, I believe, or yeah. they're planning to yeah. be back in practice this week, but they probably won't. Yeah, if they can avoid it, I'd imagine they would avoid it. Um, yeah, like it's it's a game on paper that Tennessee should definitely be winning. You know, like it doesn't. Like the thing is, we said that about it the last time. Like there's always a, there's always a chance in Houston or at home, and they have been playing better and all that kind of stuff. It's I just. I can't. I can't really wrap my head around there being a one seed that loses to the Houston Texans, <laughs> like you know. Well, they probably won't be if they lose to the Texans, so that would that's, resolve that particular. So that, but like, look, like Tennessee, we know, like you know, obviously in their kind of recent successes, it's basically by pretending that Dante Foreman is Derrick Henry and, and sprinkling some Hilliard and other guys uh, and just running the ball hard and taking the pressure off Tannehill and then that hopefully sets up the play action to AJ Brown and last week when they won they basically mostly stuck with the run game that was basically enough to kind of beat up a pathetic Miami team um, and yeah it's, it's a decent formula it's worked for Tennessee their defense has definitely improved as the season's gone on it's been a, a definitely a strength instead of a weakness in the post Henry era and so yeah if they lose to Houston like anything's possible any week, but like Houston, look, like fair play to Davis Mills. He's probably played himself at least into some backup contracts for the rest of his career, uh, but he's still Davis Mills. He's still a limited quarterback, doesn't really bring anything special to the table. Rex Burkhead is Rex Burkhead. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had that one great week against the Chargers, cause that, but that's just charging Charger. Uh, and, you know, Brandon Cooks exists. But if they take away Brandon Cooks, I think this should be an easy enough win for Tennessee. But yeah, any given Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's hard not to pick Tennessee uh, in a game like this. Okay, so next up we have Indianapolis at Jacksonville. We've got for Indianapolis across the board. Obviously, this is very important for Indy for making the playoffs, but this is a Jacksonville team that is... Like, they... The, the greatest cruelty of this 17-week season is that Jacksonville have to play again. Like... <laughs> Yeah, they they have nothing much going on either side of the ball. They're a little bit better on defense than on offense. The they offense they just gave up fifty fucking now. points. How yeah. bad is their <laughs> offense? <laughs> uh, it's one of the worst offenses I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I mean potential spoiler, but most likely not. I mean the Colts have even if they just do the Taylor thing, and even if the Jags plan for the Taylor thing, I still think they'll still do enough. Wentz should be a little bit more post COVID, and probably mm. will not be as terrible as he was so um yeah and i mean jacksonville i mean the the colts defense are a turnover machine and as is the jacksonville offense so i mean i would expect trevor lawrence to really pad those interception stats um in this one as he really makes an effort to be he's i I mean this jury is still out i i I don't know if he has what it takes i don't i don't even see the talent aspect of it to be honest with you I mean, even other rookies who had bad first seasons like Peyton Manning, whatever, they at least had one or two games where it's like, I can see what you mean. But I haven't seen it from, from Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think we're going to see it here. I really, with the game on, the, with the with the playoff thing still open, and with Jacksonville actually against their interest in winning because they'll lose number one seed, I just can't see any reason yeah. why the, the Jags will win this one. No, not not in the slightest. Like um, Next up, Cincinnati, yeah, Cleveland. Uh, oh, if only... Since he had lost last week, this would have been a... a, a I'd actually know because Cleveland lost as well, didn't they? So that probably wouldn't have been a winning in for them. But uh, yeah, look, me and Fitz have gone for Cincy and this one, Sean's gone for Cleveland. This is relevant if Kansas City and Tennessee lose because then Cincinnati might have a shot at the number one seed. But um, yeah. But like, they'll, know, they'll know about that if Kansas City have won on Saturday, of course. So this could be a dead rubber. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
yeah, this is one thing as well with the picks this week. Is always it can be hard to tell because some some of these games might be dead rubs with the time they're going in, and they might just be resting starters for chunks of them. But uh, since he look, we've talked about them enough on this one. They are looking fantastic. They have great form. They have great players. Cleveland look like they just want to get out of this season and figure out what went wrong and probably get a new quarterback. Yeah, I think yeah, there is. I mean, I've, sorry, I've, I've gone for the Browns solely because the way this season has gone for them and that they fucked it up so badly. Now that they're completely dead and buried, they're going to have the performance of a lifetime. I, I think that's what's going to they're going to win like forty-one-three or something. <laughs> defense dominance and Baker finally remembers how to be a quarterback and just enough to hype next season. Is maybe next season will be the season when the Browns stop sucking. But uh, yeah, I just it just kind of feels the narrative demands. The Browns have a really big win now that it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and this this could be a full-on battle of the backups because there are rumours that Baker will just get the surgery done this week since they're already out. Yeah. Um, Nick Chubb is banged up. They may just choose to rest him since there's nothing at stake and you don't want to have him everything long-term. Uh, Cincinnati, if Kansas City win, will officially be you know finishing probably uh, number three, so why would they risk any starters, especially with Joe Burrow having that slight knee issue that he picked up at the end of the game? Um, and Mixon and Chase and all these guys, why would you risk them? So this could turn into a pretty much uh, yeah, exhibition game. Uh, oh, much worth analyzing. finally, the answer to the question that everyone's been asking, what does the bottom half of these two rosters look like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Um, me and Fitz have gone for Baltimore. Sean's gone for Pittsburgh. Uh, I will hold up my hands and say, I thought this was finally going to be the year. So this is now 15 years. Tomlin's not going to have a losing record. Um so they'll either be exactly 500 or a little bit over it. Um, yeah, this is, again, relevant only if Indianapolis lose because then it opens up a chance for a wild card slot for these teams. But it's kind of a longish shot for that to be in place. And they won't know because they're happening at the same time as the other game. But word will probably filter down. Baltimore presumably are not going to be rushing back their starting quarterback because what's the point? Uh, Pittsburgh, this will be a kind of a going away party for Big Ben so he'll probably get up to about 150 yards passing um, it'll be hard fought and defensive and good on that side. Do, do, like, do you much do you expect much respect from the Baltimore fans in their home for Big Ben? What I, no, what, 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 what I expect is a Baltimore defense who's just going to try and pump up their sack numbers against a man who doesn't want to be on the pitch anymore Yeah but he throws the ball so quickly it was such cowardice that he probably won't do that <laughs> and like, he throws uh, with such cowardice uh, and Baltimore like look like if they can stop Najee Harris then they can probably win this game look it's likely that both teams will know they're not playing for much except for pride but Baltimore are a, I feel Baltimore are a more prideful team uh, I know obviously these are both two great coaches but I always felt the Harbaugh just a little bit better in my opinion and he's a guy that I can trust will get his guys out there for one final battle uh, one final uh, over on their on their old rival Ben Better and Rollsburg and to get it done but look, look at the team obviously Baltimore absolutely to the bare bones in terms of injuries I doubt they'll play Lamar um, uh, unless he's fully back given the circumstances they're unlikely to get the playoffs Pittsburgh yeah Big Ben is just such a huge shackle around them so two giants currently laid low by different scenarios We'll see if they, uh, who can win out there, but probably not too relevant for uh, off-season or for postseason purposes. No, next Chicago plays Minnesota. We've gone for Chicago because we don't want to watch that game. We don't want to pick Minnesota. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done. Yeah, Green Bay at Detroit. We've gone for Green Bay, Ronan. Or sorry, Sean. Do you tell us about this one? This, this is yeah. This is the Matt Flynn yeah. type game. Remember? Oh God, insanity. Um, 
Is this the George yeah. Jones becomes Matt Flynn? Just throws for 500 yards? Well, that, that could be part of the plan. Get get him in here. Get him to throw for about 700 yards. And then it's easier for Rodgers to force him to trade him because it'll be worth more. Mm. Anyway, Sean, <laughs> actual analysis. Actual analysis there, Sean. Yeah. Uh, there's not much to say. I mean, the Lions, <laughs> they, looked a, they looked a bit frisky a few weeks ago, but they've gone back into their shell, especially with Tim Boyle or whatever his name is, a quarterback. And the Packers are really good. And even if they're playing their backups, I, I imagine the back Packers backups are probably still better than the Detroit Lions. Um, Jordan Love, I mean, it's interesting. This will probably be the first proper game he gets to play other than that other one that he edited an absolute disaster. And he's not looked like an NFL quarterback, if I'm honest. So this might be an audition. So it could be a Matt Flynn type game, but it also could be a, an absolute disaster, which wipes out any hope of Jordan Love ever being a starting quarterback anywhere in the NFL anytime soon. So it could be interesting for that alone, but mostly it's just going to be a, a mediocre backup against uh, just a very bad team. So I go for the mediocre backups. By the way, early early wish casting for the offseason the next year, uh, Gardner Minshew to Detroit so that Dan Campbell <laughs> and Gardner Minshew can combine into like the most memeable team of all time. It would be amazing. Uh, Washington football team at the Giants. Ronan, we've gone for Washington football team. Uh, the uh, soon-to-be renamed Washington football team. A game that we improved if every roster had everyone... Uh, get COVID, be asymptomatic, of course. We don't want players getting uh, long-term affected by COVID. Uh, maybe Dan Snyder could get uh, symptomatic COVID. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this game is pointless. Washington at least has something to them, whereas the Giants are literally dying and just need to be pulled out of their misery. The obvious uh, question is, yeah. why, why, why is this battle of NFC East Titans not on primetime? <laughs> it's the NFC East, so yeah, primetime, baby. Um, San Francisco at the Rams. This is a very relevant game. Rams obviously in there. San Francisco fighting there for the positioning in the wild card race. This, in theory, they're should not actually in the wild card yet. They have to win yeah. to get in. Yeah, they have to win to get in. But yeah, it's right for their place in it is what I meant. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, on paper this should be a, an easy Rams win. They've got the superstars on defense. They've got good offense. They've got good players there. And San Francisco are at least in theory kind of scrambling they've had injuries to the quarterback they you know they've, they've cycled through so many players they've got some back with Thibaut Samuel and stuff but like in theory this should be an easy win for the Rams but the way they've played the last couple of weeks I'm not sure uh, I'm, I'm giving them the edge at home and knowing how important it is but like I'm not sure if they actually have the momentum and have the have the game plan for taking their talent and maximizing it at the moment whereas San Francisco, I don't think, have the most talented roster because of injuries and all kind of stuff. And I think they are doing a lot with what they have. Um, I think we've had almost this exact same conversation with them the last time they played each other as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. San Fran could sneak in here. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's there are reminders, I think, a little bit of this game the Rams played against the Ravens last week. It's a, it's a team that's limited injury prone but got really good coaching against a Rams team that maybe there's a way to figure out how to how to beat them to pressure Stafford or to to force him into mistakes and and to to you know you can challenge on the on the defensive end as well so I think there maybe is this could be one of those games where the Rams struggle a bit because of a well considered game plan on the other side especially since the Niners do need to win um so they they will be going uh, all out um, for that so it could be a tight one that goes down to the end I just yeah I just I can't see it on the Niners side I just can't really see that once the Rams 
you know, click into gear, which they inevitably will at some point. I think they'll just get enough points over the board. Cooper Cup is still chasing the all-time uh, receiving record for a season, so he'll be up for some making some long runs, no doubt, to try and pick up as many yards as possible. Yeah. So uh, it'll be an interesting game. Certainly, I think it's going to be a close one and should be a good game. Like yeah. San Francisco have a good template. Uh, I, I don't know if Jimmy G will play here because his, his thumb injury sounds like it might be more serious than the Yeah, definitely said, so. sounding a bit more serious. Yeah. yeah, so Trey Lance will play. He didn't look great for the first half, but he did seem to heat up as he went on. And he is an explosive player who creates stress on defenses, which you imagine guys like Ayuk and Debo can take advantage of. Eli Mitchell came back and looked effective, admittedly, against the Texans. Obviously, a much tougher challenge against that Rams uh, defensive line i think like the reason why i favor the rams here and why i don't give san francisco much of a chance and why it's gonna be so frustrating if you're a san francisco fan is that their secondary is basically completely obliterated like they pulled josh norman early in that houston game because he's been bad but because of the additional injuries they made during that game they'll almost certainly have to start josh norman in this game anyway um so that gives you an idea of how depressing and annoying it is probably to be the defensive coordinator for san francisco to be a fan of san francisco and you know they just they don't have a single guy in their defense who i think can stop cooper cup and if that staffer can target to cooper cup uh, then that basically is end game for both teams against the rams so that's why i'm favoring the rams here just because of that major matchup concern and the defensive line of of the rams will probably make trey lance life quite difficult but yeah i think the rams you know i haven't been impressed by them but against a limited against san francisco dealing with injuries it'll be very difficult for them to get it done i feel yeah. Um, next up, we have Seattle at Arizona continuing the division fund. The relevance of this game is basically if the Rams lose, the uh, Arizona could sneak the NFC West. Um, Seattle, let's be honest, it was nice, as you said, to kind of go, oh, remember the good times? Remember when Russ cooked and threw passes and they were caught? It felt a little bit like a kind of a dead cat bounce last week. That There was a nice touch, but it, they're not contending on the same level as this Arizona team is. Who is banged up and vulnerable i suppose but it's very hard to look past the arizona team being able to deal with seattle that are still struggling now penny got going for them last week they were getting a bit of connection with dk metcalf and stuff so maybe it's there for seattle to be able to to, to grab but it was effectively be a pointless one because not only is this uh lowering the quality of the pick but it's a first round pick that well you don't they even don't have. have a first yeah they don't have a first round pick, so who cares you're, you're basically you'd be beating Arizona to spite the Jets, I think, is it? Am I right? Yeah, and Arizona, who we love spiting because there's been so many bad things that have happened in Glendale. Well, it, should, it, 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 it should be like, easy given that Cliff Kingsbury is such a moron. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try to give him respect, but then, <laughs> then his team loses the number one seed. So, you know, like they're now playing to maybe get like the, the three or four seed yeah. uh, to win the NFC West, but more likely. There's a good chance the Rams are blowing out San Francisco and this is a dead rubber and both teams just kind of give up. Look, Seattle, like, yeah, the good things for them recently, Rashad Penny's played well. Hey, DK Metcalf actually had a good game. Let's see if he can finish on a strong point. And Tyler Lockett has been good uh, pretty much all season. So, you know, there are things in the Seattle offense that could make trouble for Arizona, whose defense has been, you know, been better the last couple of weeks, but has definitely been on a downturn since the, the early like uh, showing they had early on and look Arizona like yes they had some incredible like incredible thoughts uh, like having your quarterback and your kicker on the same time but there's still no denying that a lot of the best things that happened to them don't happen because they were planned they happen because Kyler Murray is a freaking little genius magician um, who makes like Russell Wilson look like uh, an old Massey Ferguson just like trundling out there looking fat and slow uh, so look Arizona 
assuming the Rams are still relevant, will play hard here. They've been a better team all year, so they should win this game. But uh, look, Seattle might win it if Arizona start pulling the starters early and, uh, you know, uh, Colt McCoy goes out there. Although Colt McCoy did beat Seattle earlier, so uh, even that might not be enough. So Arizona, yeah, you've earned the respect of me picking you in this game. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, no? Just move on. There's nothing more to say. Uh, fair enough. New Orleans at Atlanta. Uh, me and Sean have gone for Atlanta. Fitz, you've gone for New Orleans. Um, relevant to San Francisco lose because the New Orleans can, in theory, get a wild card out of this. Um, New Orleans have looked very limited. They don't really have an answer at quarterback. Their defense is looking good. They do have weapons, but my God, their quarterback play is awful. Atlanta are still not good, but you know they they they're, they're passable. They're- there is nothing more depressing than the non-Tampa Bay part of the NFC South right now. They are all just a series of battered, broken, beaten down teams. Kyle Pitts is probably not going to play in this game. So what does Atlanta have left? They have Cornell Patterson, who was magic for large parts of the season, but the last four weeks has done very little. Mike Davis has been playing more. That's not really a good sign. You know, Calvin Ridley, you know, God bless him. Hopefully he's getting, you know, get her, his life's improving and we might see him next year. Uh, but outside that, well, it's like it's Russell Gage and Zacchaeus and whatever. Like, there's just nothing there for Atlanta. But there's also nothing there for New Orleans. So I don't blame either of you for picking against New Orleans. Like, New Orleans has Taysom Hill, the most inconsistent quarterback of all time. Well, he's not even a quarterback, let's be perfectly frank. Alvin Kamara basically being zoomed in by 11 defenders and being held to, like, 70 yards I'll, or something. Or, I'll, I'll say, yeah. look, 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 if you want something to, to look at on this one, this is, I think there's a greater than 50% chance this is Matt Ryan's last game for the Atlanta Falcons. It's Yeah. yeah. But he's going up against a New Orleans defense that has annihilated Tom Brady only a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, do, I'm picking New Orleans I, I, here. Have we, have we not seen how he's playing with a little bit more, more juice and vigor now? Last week he ran in a rushing touchdown. They got called back, but he got flagged for taunting on it because he's just, <laughs> he's that kind of Fired up. He just doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, and you, you know that his taunting was his stuff. was like, nice try trying to catch me. Ha ha ha. Like, you know he has no smack talk. Like, Look, New Orleans have something to play for here. Their defense has been one of the best defenses in the league. Against an offense in Atlanta that has, has nothing without pits. Like, I think they're just really out of juice completely. And they didn't have much to start with. So I'm picking New Orleans here because I think their defense will turn this into... Uh, yet again, another ugly NFC side game because these teams who have played each other in the NFC side, it's been really, really hard to watch. Expect another game like this. Hopefully to be honest, if, if, if don't Pitts get to the playoffs, Pitts is out, I'm probably yeah. swapping it to New Orleans. Like, yeah, it's uh, not exactly this game. This game's gonna be awful. I just, I just don't know how the Saints are going to score any points, which is they don't need to. Kamara don't score any, and their defense probably. Kamara will like get a hundred yards because he's Alvin fucking Kamara. And they should have two hundred yards because he's that good, but. Yeah, it's yeah. Like they're gonna have like ten points and win this, like they did against the Bucks. That's what I'm predicting. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be ugly. ugly. It really is. Um, yeah. Uh, Jets versus Buffalo. We've gone for Buffalo across the board. Look, <laughs> Buffalo should win this without any real hassle, right? They should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen's on form. Their defense is a lot better. The Jets are a mess all over the place. Although they are slight, getting slightly better as the season goes along, but they're not quite there yet. There's also, if there are rumors are true that there, you know, there's dissension within the the dressing room, and uh, Robert Sal is blaming coaches for mistakes and stuff like that. that's not a good sign either. 
But again, the Bills have screwed up a couple of times this season against bad teams. I mean, you remember the Jacksonville game. It's oh yeah, they 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 have that in them. But I would think surely they they can they can finish this off. They can they can get. I mean, I think Josh Allen on his own could probably beat the Jets. Um, but um, yeah, it might be tougher than than it appears on paper. Yeah. But I think the Bills should have enough. In to be honest, I do feel like Josh Allen needs a get right game here because I know you kind of said he did his stuff with his legs. He was abysmal passing the ball last week. He was truly awful. Like he was 150 yards and a couple of interceptions in through the air. Yeah. Um, and this is this is this is a, this is an ill-manned Jets defense that he should be able to get some get some stuff going against and maybe kind of build a head of steam heading into the playoffs would be my hope for it. Yeah, like like Buffalo should win this game, but you know I think in the back of our mind there is a little bit of us that maybe like and even though the Jets have a worse have a worse record than Miami, I still give the Jets more of a chance against Buffalo than I give Miami against New England, uh, which is our next game, obviously New England is, and Miami. Yeah. And like, look, I think the big thing for me in this game is like obviously we know Miami love play action, so I imagine this game will just be you know Miami playing play action and seeing defenders bite the least amount that they possibly could just standing still there oh oh yeah i'm sure that's gonna be a run yeah sure because uh, you know <laughs> it's like the run game for miami has been probably the one of the worst in the league and new england have a good defensive front that would be happy to just do that on four-man duty and then you know come up once it's confirmed as a run but new england's just going to be sitting there going yeah you try your play action and we'll just take that away and then i think new england will be able to rush to get like i think against this miami defense new england can rush the ball quite well then they'll be able to get this done quite easily i think miami last week what we saw from miami I think it's the real Miami, uh, the the seven and one whatever was a charade, and New England after absolutely annihilating the Jacksonville will more than delight in having an opportunity, even though it's a Miami and traditionally they've had bad luck in Miami. Uh, that they I was going to say, is this, this yeah. going to decide was that was that Tom that couldn't win or was it Belichick that couldn't win in Miami in December? Yeah, although think- it's January now, so maybe. I think New England will want to dismantle this Miami team and go into the playoffs on a high and prove their team you don't want to be playing in January. Mm, or yeah. in playoff January. Do you think they try and yeah, warm up it, Mac Jones and get him passing in this one? Because No. <laughs> That's the one thing Miami are good at. They're secondary, so I would not pass. I would just run it down the throats with Harris mm. and Stevenson and make life very difficult for Miami by not allowing them to run, not allow them to use the play action. Because uh, Miami just have nothing beyond play action, it feels like, with Tua. Sean, you're going to say something? Yeah, it's no. It's just going to be from a New England perspective an interesting bookend because they played each other in week one and now they're going to play each other in week eighteen. And how far the Pats team has come in these seventeen weeks is, is going to be. They were very limited in, in week one. They lost by a point, even though they had a lot of heart and almost pulled out the win at the end. But now I think they should be comfortable here because coaching is is lined up. The Belichick once Belichick knows what he has, it takes him a few weeks to start the season to figure out what he has. But once he knows what he has, he's very good at executing that and implementing his tools in the way that necessary and yeah the Dolphins despite their winning streak are quite a limited team the teams they were beating up were quite bad I think they've been found out a little bit and if they're if they if they're as kind of monochromatic uh, in the attacking senses as Fitz says then the Pats are going to kill them because if you only have one thing you do then Balchik will know exactly how to stop that so yeah it could be could be a, a nice nice win for the Pats to put a bit of pressure on the Bills as they struggle to get past the Jets, it'd be interesting to, to watch. Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting one. Give us give us an idea, maybe of kind of you know uh, play style for what we might see uh, on certain matchups going into the playoffs. Carolina, Tampa Bay, we've gone for Tampa Bay across the board. Sean, uh, yeah, this is a yeah. dead game. 
Yeah, even though the Bucks of the last few weeks have not been fantastic, they're still a much better team, and the Panthers are just dead in the water. They, they, whatever momentum and whatever quality they had to start the season, especially defensively, is just gone out the water. They're terrible offensively. They're terrible defensively. They're, yeah, they're just a very bad team. And and Matt Rule's stock as a coach has plummeted this season. Really feels like he he's gone from being one of the most interesting coaches in in the league to being oh my god. Yeah, this is your team, is it? Yeah, this is as good as it gets. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully Tom puts him out of his misery. Or actually, might not even. Um, are they still technically? I think they still need to win to. They have a chance at number two seed, so they probably will play Tom. Well, um, two seed doesn't really matter anymore. So it's home advantage in the divisional, which is which is fairly big. Like um, I think, I think Tom will. Tom's enough professional to be like, I, I want that. Let's go for it. Um, Just steal so, Sam Darnold's you know Sam Darnold's soul to add to the, the jet <laughs> souls that he picked up last week just love beating up those jets yeah once a jet always a jet I think that's the that's Tom's philosophy I um, don't think so that can really count because then Belichick's a jet right he was there for a day <laughs> no it's like he, the, reje- he outright rejected the jets though he he, he was like I am so disgusted by being here I'm just going to leave which is the ultimate anti-jet move it's, it's like, like the five second I'm rule too good right for you. Like five second rule, you drop it on the ground. It's like, oh, it's still good. It's not yet yet. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, finally, Sunday night football. The Chargers take on the Vegas Raiders in what will almost certainly be a winner takes a wild card spot. Could, as you mentioned beforehand, end up a hey guys, if we have a draw, we both get into the wild card. Be cool. Tie, 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 <laughs> tie, tie. <laughs> um, Looking forward to this 60 kneel down 0 0 tie that will uh, send Twitter <laughs> apoplectic. Because uh, that combo is out of like, because they're, they're divisional rivals as well, so it's just like the. Oh, like, yeah, it would it would kill the fan bases. <laughs> Although I suppose neither of these teams really have fan bases. Yeah, so they've nothing to lose. <laughs> so maybe at the, the gambling table. At the, like, but look, like, look, like, we oh, all that, want. That, that, we that, all, that, that 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 that'd be uh, that that'd be the play as well. Like Vegas would do it, and you just go to, like uh, you know, like you know, like no one could have predicted this kind of like they could basically destroy all of the Vegas sports betting books with a tie <laughs> in this as well. Yeah, but like look, we all want the Chargers to win because they have Justin Herbert, they have Austin Eckler, they have Keenan Allen, they have Mike Williams, they have a defense when Joey Bosa and Derwin James are healthy that can be okay. And yeah, they're an exciting team that's just been incredibly frustrating at times because they just derp themselves right in the face um, just when you choose to get on board with them. But, you know, if you get to the playoffs, we ex- at least expect it to be able to put up a fight against some of the better teams in the AFC, even against, like, the Kansas Cities or the Bengals or the uh, or whoever. Um, but the Vegas Raiders, on the other hand, like, look, fair play to them if they make the playoffs, but they are a Minnesota-type, Chicago-last-year type team who's just going to get in there and get absolutely hockeyed right back out of the playoffs. And, you know, given how bad their season was, they'll probably be happy to, to achieve that. But they're not a team that you're scared of. They're not a team that you necessarily respect. Carr has, you know, showed that when the chips were down, he was able to win games that they you know that 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 they you know perhaps even shouldn't have won against Indianapolis, uh, but he also was the reason they were in that tough spot against Denver and Indianapolis when he was throwing the ball to the other team early on. And look, I've said I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good quarterback, but this is not a team where the surrounding talent is likely to elevate him to being a you know someone who go on a Joe Flacco type run. So I want to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs doing crazy shit, throwing the ball, and I want to see him doing this game and kind of take away this kind of pretender Vegas team and get us all excited for them going into the wild card round. 
round. Uh, but more importantly, I want to see them in the wildcard round. I want to see what they can do. I want to see Chargers <coughs> football. I don't want to see any more of the Vegas Raiders. Respect. You've earned our respect. Fair play. But uh, you know, just stop now and let us have some exciting January <laughs> football and not a blowout on wildcard weekend. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, Vegas... If they do win, they'll probably have ran the ball well with Josh Jacobs. They'll probably have Derek Carr operating quite well, finding his motley crew of receivers. And their defense has been not the worst defense. Uh, and it'll probably involve the Chargers smacking themselves in the head so hard that they probably concussed 12 of their players at one go. Uh, or the Chargers will get like 20 people on COVID on Saturday. All these things are very possible with the Chargers, but let's hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. No, that seems fair. So, any uh, any other crack with yourselves and lads? Any plans for the weekend and and, and so on? Uh, I imagine not a ton. Mm. No, not really. Only the NFL playoffs. I mean, it's, it's FA Cup weekend in in English football, so it's like, oh, it's not even worth not even worth watching them beat up random third division teams. So, um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, it'll just be NFL all the way. I think. Mm. Yeah, just get re-acclimatised back down to Cork and, uh, yeah, probably keep it quiet. And, yeah, look forward to a little bit of football. I'm not sure about the Saturday football, as I said. Uh, I don't think these games are necessarily the... It's very hard to pick games that don't have to be at the same time and are also relevant uh, to prevent kind of shenanigans going on. Uh, and I don't even think they've quite done that even. Uh, but, yeah, like, look, should be an interesting set of football. Let's see if any of these uh, minnows can surprise us and make things even extra exciting in some of these other games that could end up being dead rubbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that seems. I think. Yeah, I don't have anything too major. I think we've got a bit of a bit of very exciting uh, housework and then some Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, always great crack uh, around here in January. Um, but no, I suppose that'll wrap us up for now, and we'll be coming back to you on kind of playoff times, giving you what the matchups are, and moving to a lot more kind of sleek, streamlined, just six game, uh, six game previews and so on. So it should be uh, exciting times. It's kind of weird to think that we're already at this stage of the year that we're coming close up on the end of it and then starting to you know we start to grind tape and really look at the draft prospects for next year have we uh, have we gotten never stops. have we have yeah. we gotten a jump on any of that yet uh, got, any, got any picks yet already made for who's uh who you guys are going to go for uh, next year i no. imagine the jaguars will not draft a quarterback in the first pick that is my, that is my bold prediction there are very few good quarterbacks in this draft. That's the only thing I know for certain. Yeah. So uh, it's probably going to be one of those uh, Eric Fisher type drafts, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've, I've heard it's good for defensive line talent or something along those lines. But I, that was that was a couple of months back, and you know, basically that was essentially just them wish casting the college football season ahead. So I'll have to start start rolling tape on that now and catch up with it. But uh, yeah, as I said, so that'll do us for this week. So it's bye for myself, bye from Fitz, bye, bye from Sean. Uh, it's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. <laughs>